Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Conquer the Gauntlet Pro and Strength and Speed owner, Evan Preparis. I got another Conquer the Gauntlet Pro on the line with me. Joining me is Jay Flores. Jay, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Excited to be back. Yeah, we're going to get to some of his stuff in a minute. Before we get to that, though, quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Aurora Heated Apparel. So if you've been following my Facebook or Instagram, you've heard I'm doing OCR America again, but this time in the winter. So I call it OCR America 2 when hell freezes over because I said I would absolutely never do this again. And here I am four years later doing it again, raising money for Folds of Honor. Anyway, because it's going to be super cold and I'm torturing my dad and several of my friends slash pit crew, I want to make sure they're comfortable while I'm racing. So uh, partner with Aurora Heater Apparel. So it's vests and jackets that they're going to be wearing that actually is built-in heaters, so electric heaters that's going to be keeping them warm while I'm running laps in the 20 to zero degree weather, whatever, whatever the weather comes at the end of January uh, between New York and Kansas City. So one, check out Aurora Heated Apparel. You can find links on the Strength and Speed website and Facebook page. And then also make sure you check out OCR America too. If you're in you know, New York, Maryland, more New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Missouri, or Kansas City, you're going to want to head to that event uh, week of January 19th to the 26th. We're going to talk about more about that later. Let's get to our guest, Jay Flores. Jay Flores has been on the Conquer the Gauntlet Pro Team a couple of years, has more than 50 OCR podiums, although I think... Did not think it went up too high this year because he spent most of the year on uh, – I'm, I'm going to mess up the pronunciation again. Just Jay, just say the name of the show. <laughs> yeah, the show is called Exatlon. There you go. Um, he spent most <laughs> of his year on that TV show, which was broadcast nightly on Telemundo. That's what we're going to spend most of the episode talking about. But if you don't know who Jay is because he's been absent from the OCR scene for most of this year, like I said, 50-plus podiums across a wide variety of races – He's got about eight or nine uh, Conquer the Gauntlet podiums. On top of that, he won Master of the Rig competition at OCR World Championships in 2017, I believe it was. Yep. And yeah. then uh, the year there was the U.S. OCR Championships, he got a gold and silver in his age group in the uh, 3K and 15K and was top 15 at NORAM uh, this past year in the 3K. So speed demon, uh, short course. Two well, years ago. Two years ago, sorry. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you I was there gone this year. I couldn't compete, yeah. <laughs> so Speed Demon, short course, uh, kind of the opposite side of the spectrum I operate on, but uh, that's why I like it because uh, it brings a different perspective to the show. So, Jay, again, welcome. And let's start off. Tell us about the TV show, right? Because I know it was on Telemundo. I tried to watch it the first night it was on, and turns out I don't have Telemundo. So I was <laughs> left with your Facebook updates. So let's assume the listeners didn't see any episodes, like explain the concept of what the show is, and then we'll kind of start jumping into some of those details. Definitely. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's in its third season. Uh, season four is about to kick off in a couple of weeks. So it's, it's done very well actually on, on Telemundo. Uh, one of the things that attracted me to it was the uh, fact that it was six days a week in primetime television. So the exposure was 
just uh, an awesome opportunity to be able to spread um, a little word more about OCR athletes and as well as the things that I do in the STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math world. Um, the, it's really hard to describe if you haven't seen it. I like to call it a little bit of a mix of survivor and ninja warrior, but to neither extreme. So you're not necessarily trying to uh, cook your own food and hunt it and build your own shelter. Um, but there was a dynamic where the two teams would compete for whether they were living in the mansion or the cabin. Um, so living conditions of uh, a huge house with a bunch of rooms and pool. The pool actually went into the house, which was pretty awesome, um, versus living in this little cabin with 10 people in it. Uh, no fans, no air conditioning, no nothing in the middle of the Dominican Republic. So we were like burning uh, hot at night trying to sleep uh, with a little tiny bathroom that you had to walk outside to get to. Uh, the, that dynamic of the show made it kind of the whole survivor feeling of whether you're out in the elements or whether you're in the uh, comfort of the mansion. Uh, and then not to the extent of Ninja Warrior in terms of obstacle difficulty, but the short course feel, uh, no, nothing was longer than 200 meters, where, which, although you said I was a speed demon, 200 meters is way too short for me. Uh, but think of it as, um, I don't know, warrior dash type difficulty or, or, or less. It was more about how fast you could get through the obstacles uh, versus how challenging the obstacles were. Yeah, I watched a couple of your little clips on Instagram and on your Facebook and the, like you said, the, the, the difficulty was just not, I was hoping for like rigs and, you know, yeah. shades and stuff like that. And it was just like, there's crap in my way between me and, you know, at the end, it's like some of them we had to like knock over pins or not like kind of, kind of throwing type things. Yes. I forgot to mention that part actually. So at the end of each circuit, uh, again, like a hundred to 150 meters worth of obstacles, um, there was like a target practice challenge. You were throwing anything from a sandbag to a frisbee type disc um, to little baseball type objects, oh, a wide variety of things. We threw axes one day uh, and that's kind of like the final challenge after you get through the, the circuit and your heart rate is up and everyone's yelling and the cameras are on you, you have to then <laughs> do this pretty precise target throwing. So it was really cool because it, it made it uh, kind of anyone's game in that point. If, if you weren't super fast through, you could still catch up in the uh in the throwing portion um or vice versa so um it made it really dynamic and every single day was a different type of throwing I think. and i was out there for 12 weeks competing six days a week so we went through a significant amount of different challenges and they had about like 15 uh probably by the end of the time the show the show ended probably 17 different circuits uh ranging from one that started in the ocean on a little zip line uh, and you just dropped into the water and, you know, kind of climb up onto obstacles and jump back into the water, et cetera, to one that was like a super muddy course from the beginning to end. Uh, you were going through mud. There was really no break uh, to some that were, you know, completely just on, on land and sand. So it was a wide variety, which made it exciting um, and cool for, for the audience to watch. Now, you mentioned it was on six days a week. How did they produce that much content for all six days, right? Because I mean, I feel like that's a lot of one video to shoot and then a lot to edit and a lot to put up, you know, daily, essentially. Yeah, it was intense, man. So there's huge, humongous crew, um, you know, tons and tons of cameras and 
and people behind creating the show. It was really cool to to see. I've been to like you know Ninja Warrior uh, tapings before, and they have awesome stuff. But they this show definitely had a lot more cameras, and I'm trying to capture like a lot of different things, especially at the speed at which it was going through, and there wasn't really any stops. Kind of like a Ninja Warrior when you complete an obstacle, and they might take a couple seconds to rest. Uh, this was, you know, as fast as you can, pedal to the metal. Um, but we were there about 10 days ahead of when filming actually launched on, on TV. Uh, and we were filming an episode almost every single day. Uh, it was pretty intense. Again, you're, you're going 100% six days a week uh, for, for three months that I was there. And as we got closer to the end, there's less people on your team. So you have to go more time. So I could have been going four or five times in a day. Um, they're short. Again, it's only like two minutes of competition, but it's, it's pedal to the metal. So it was um, very challenging to really shift my, my focus and training to more agility and speed and uh, kind of taking breaks in between competitions versus and you know, OCR and distance running in general used to just kind of, going and going and trying to conserve that energy and relying on uh, my endurance. Uh, I really had to shift against that. Yeah, that's hard. You got to get your body all amped up and kind of get all fast twitch explosive and then calm back down for the next event. So that's exactly. So the, the ones we were assuming I had Telemundo and watched every night. So was what yeah. I was, was what I watching actually on a 10 day delay because of the production? Exactly. So okay, what was going on on TV was anywhere between a week and two weeks uh, in the past, um, which, which made it interesting because sometimes I had to change things around. Uh, but um, it was cool to just see how that all comes together. And then the interviews that they do with us in the house or in the cabin where we're at, there was days where we would compete for different rewards, anything from like a night out where we would go to this place in Punta Cana and, you know, just hang out uh party to food you know all kinds of different things that we could earn um one of them was a family visit which we got so the other aspect i didn't share earlier which is really key to the show is you're disconnected completely what you saw on instagram uh was things that my girlfriend now fiance was was putting on uh through my channel so we had to give up our phones on the first day they put in a Ziploc bag with our name and how much money we left and all that stuff. And we were literally uh, disconnected from the rest of the world for three to four months, uh, which made it a really challenging mental game as well. Uh, and then you're living with 10 people that you've never met before. Um, and when you're in the cabin, you're all basically in one big room. It, may, it makes living conditions and, and challenges very interesting. Uh, so it's, it's pretty intense in that side. The other thing is that um, with, uh, with every week in those competitions, then uh, we didn't really know what was going to be happening the next day. You know, you could win the mansion one day and then three days later you're competing for it again. So there's a lot of mental strength that was needed uh, for the competition as well. And then at the end of each day or week, they did like a survivor type thing where they voted you off the island Is that so what at the end of yeah every week every sunday there was a elimination and that was based on which team uh won the competition that morning so we would have a competition on sunday morning uh whichever team won would then have to go to elimination 
And the person that went to elimination was, there was one person that was guaranteed, which was whoever was the lowest percentage that week. Um, but it alternates based male, female. So if your team lost the first time and let's say women were up for grab or for elimination that first week, the next time that your team would go, then men were up for elimination and it was the person that was lowest. And then the other person that would go was determined by the person on the team who had the highest kind of win percentage, uh, throughout the you know, the journey of the competition. So that person would decide most of the time it was whoever was the second lowest percentage would, would automatically go. They very rarely um, strayed from that kind of tradition, but in the past it has happened where they just want to throw someone else into the fire. Uh, it's not as cutthroat as survivor. I'd say in the sense that there's like a lot of uh, backstabbing or, you know, plotting against each other and stuff like that. It was more really, you want to keep the best people on the team. So um, you had to keep kind of going that way. Gotcha. And then from a production side, you know, I, six days a week and that much content to be produced, I just find baffling and a little bit fascinating, right? Because you watch some of the American reality shows and you can kind of tell they're, I mean, they're not scripted, but there's helping hands there guiding the situation. And, you know, they've mm-hmm. crafted these storylines over weeks and months to have people appear a certain way and you know just being being able to produce six episodes a week um were they were they an hour long show how long were they 30 minutes it's actually two hours long oh geez (laughs) yeah so it's intense i mean a lot of it is just the so the the games were like to 10 points so uh, there's a good amount of content already just from showing the runs uh for some people i think it can it can kind of get repetitive but then i think back to other shows like ninja warrior everyone's also doing the same course that's true. So the cool thing about this is, is since it's head to head and the matchups change every round, it does throw a little bit of kind of um, freshness into it, even though it's so long um, versus like a Ninja Warrior where you're watching a different person, but it's the same course uh, versus the head to head kind of more like a Team Ninja Warrior thing. Um, and so there's a lot to produce there. And then, um, you know, there's interviews after your runs. Uh, the other things that they kind of would put on are, a little bit of kind of the conversations we would have back at the houses, um, a little bit of speculation as to what might come next. We always had cameras on us 24-7. There was even cameras in our bedrooms uh, and microphones. The only place that didn't have a camera was the bedroom and then the commute to and from the courses. The uh, so that bathroom. was... You meant to say bathroom, right? You said the only place yeah, didn't have a... Oh, yeah. You said bedroom again, I think. Oh, my bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the only place that didn't have cameras was, was the bathrooms. Um, and so just that dynamic, too, of like being kind of watched all the time and everything is potential content um, was, uh, was another challenge, um, but, but also pretty cool. And um, so that's, you know, that's kind of what put together the, the whole content that they would then produce. And they had those 10 days to put it together. But like I said, they had like an army of people working on this. Cool. Now you mentioned it a little bit earlier. Um, your girlfriend came out to the show at one point. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So that was an awesome experience. So again, when we're without communication for so long, it's just, you, you really miss people a lot you start to really appreciate the people that are around you and um that was a key win for us because we had to earn it like 
there was one time before that where we were able to win a five minute video uh, call, like a Skype call. And that was like, we fought our, our butts off for that. And, um, and, and then that was the only communication I had had with her until the visit. So that was about, I think, six weeks in when she was able uh, to come. In those six weeks, I had only talked to her for five minutes. Um, and then they came in because we won that challenge and everyone was able to have a family member come. We didn't get to pick, which was the crazy part. And so they actually kind of played a trick on me because I know they wanted, I wanted her to come. They said my mom was coming. Uh, but when they started like come, having the family come in and surprise us, she ended up coming through the door and I was super excited. They were able to spend a night with us, um, or not the night with us, but like kind of that evening. And we were in the cabin at that time. So she really got to experience what it was like <laughs> for us. She got to see the heat. She had to go to the bathroom at one point. She tried to hold it for as long as she could, but she couldn't. So I had to take her to the bathroom where we were there um we even were doing like interviews and a little spider came on her leg and she freaked out and uh jumped and ran off camera and the spider somehow got on the wall and so I just killed the spider and I was like welcome to Exatlon this is what we deal with every day uh and she uh you know came back into the interview then they got to watch us and cheer for us competing that was really the advantage that we had won was not just the visit but them being able to come and support us on an elimination day um and we had a dinner that night and that's when I actually had decided to propose to her, which was pretty awesome. Uh, for the longest time, she'd been saying she didn't want a wedding ring and um, like was going back and forth. And I was like, I'm never gonna be able to propose to you because you can't decide whether you want a ring or not. And I would joke that I was going to get her uh, a ring pop because she wouldn't decide. And so I ha asked production to help me get a ring pop. And I also created a little ring in the cabin. I found a little piece of wire. I kind of stripped the, the plastic covering off and used the copper uh, and some other little design things that I found around to make her a little kind of rustic cabin ring there. Um, so it was kind of cool. She was totally caught off guard and it was on, on TV and everything. So she was really excited. And um, I was super nervous. I, I actually put the ring on her finger before she actually said yes <laughs> and nice. I didn't even notice it she just told me afterwards like <laughs> but uh I, yeah well I mean that's that's taking already a high nerve situation and then you put cameras there and right. you realize it's gonna be broadcast <laughs> right like that makes it exponentially worse like you know exactly I know I was nervous and I knew I I mean I knew my wife was gonna say yes at the time but like I was still nervous right because I mean it's life-changing decision Exactly. And I, I was, you know, we've been together for a long time too. And I was pretty confident she was going to say yes, but she's really picky with things like that. Like, you know, she wanted, she had told me in the past, like my nails better be done and blah, 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 stuff like that. So um, I was nervous about that. Like, was she going to like what they set up for us and everything? Fortunately, production did a pretty awesome job and um, set up a nice dinner and the team was there. And so I, I started by kind of just talking to the team and, and the family that had come and thanking them and letting them know how important a visit like that was for us. And that, um, you know, kind of started talking about how I had gotten used to living without uh, a cell phone, not knowing what time it was. We didn't have clocks, we didn't have watches, nothing. Um, not having, you know, being able to take a shower with warm water when we're in the cabin, um, not deciding what you're going to eat. Or, or what time you're going to eat. Like there was really barely any decisions we were able to make while we were in there. And then um, kind of just switched and said, but 
I found out that I can't live without you and went on there with my whole uh, speech, but it worked out well. And, and I'm, I'm really uh, grateful to production for helping it. Plus we got free uh, wedding or proposal pictures and stuff too. So That's nice. Yeah. That was convenient. <laughs> yeah. I felt bad for her. So like you said, she was managing all your social media stuff. So she's yep. getting all like, I'm still tagging you and sharing things. And like, <laughs> like I have you in private chats talking about the pro team and blah, blah, blah. You know, like, and she's probably like, oh, what is this, <laughs> this guy? I <laughs> won't shut up. So no. Yeah. I, I'm my really apologies lucky that. <laughs> no, no worries. I'm really lucky I had her doing that. It's a full-time job. I mean, she had to watch all the episodes, which she would have done anyways. But like with the aspect of thinking about the social media and what to post and what to share and all that. So it was a huge help. Um, and, and it helped out with my following and everything with it as well. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that is having the, I think that was good foresight, you know, cause you had the, the system in place to really benefit from that versus if you just kind of threw your phone off to the side, right. It, your Facebook would have been and social media would not have updated at all. Then you just be like a ghost for, you know, four months or whatever it was. Exactly. And, and it's a huge opportunity. I mean, some of the things you mentioned um, with like not having been in this season as much, um, it's crazy how much changes and how much moves and, and you know, oh, yeah. what race series are doing what and all this stuff. And it's, you know, I came back, I was like, Oh my goodness, <laughs> world championship is in Vermont. There's no Noram, like tough mutter stuff. All, all these things happen. And it was just like, worried as clothes. Yeah. All these changes. And, um, unfortunately, you know, I had her help and I had that kind of in place to take advantage of it. Uh, and, and saw a big increase. Now I have that kind of platform with this audience, especially in the um, Hispanic community. You don't, I don't think it depends on where you live, obviously, but in general, I think we're definitely underrepresented in the sport. Um, and I, I hope that this will help me bring more attention to the people that were viewing the show and saw this cool obstacle thing and said, Oh, wow, I can go to this event in my backyard um, and, and get my kids involved in kids races and stuff like that. So I definitely want to leverage the, that platform to, to keep it moving. Awesome. Now you mentioned how the training or the actual competition for the show was different from some of your training. Hypothetically, if you, you know, we're going to be go back to the show, maybe for an all-star episode or something where you had to compete on the same courses again, you know, what would you modify in your training or would you modify anything? Yeah. So one thing we haven't talked about much yet is, is the eliminations. And that's where my OCR background really helped. I came into the show thinking like, man, I'm going to destroy this because I, my, the obstacles I do are way harder than this but I underestimated the, the speed and agility part of it, right? I'm, I'm pretty fast in general for an OCR athlete or a distance athlete, but I'm not, you know, I, was, I had a guy on my team that was in training camp with the Cowboys and the Giants, right? So like super fast, someone that can do a 40-yard dash in a ridiculous time. Um, different athletes that are used to more of this speed stuff, right? And I'm here being more of like a, marathon i'm not gonna run marathons but like it, it was like having yeah. usain bolt like try to run a 5k basically right, in the opposite right. direction i don't know yeah. one of the top 5k runners trying to go up against usain bolt um and so that was very challenging but the difference with eliminations is that versus on regular days where you would go up against someone and then there would be a girl matchup and then there would be another guy matchup, several matchups before you would go again and you had that rest period. Um, 
eliminations was you versus someone else and you're going back to back and it can be it was the first to win four and there was these things these medals that you could earn throughout uh competition some weeks where that medal would allow you to take away a, a win from one of those people so depending on how many medals were in the matchups it could be anywhere from four to like 12 uh matches against that person back to back and so that's where my endurance and my ocr background really helped me is because i was able to keep going you know let's say that uh one of those guys could go 100 miles per hour i could only go 70 but i could go 70 all day and after two or three passes that person's 100 miles is now down to 60 50 right so um I ended up actually going to elimination in week two, which was the first male elimination. <laughs> um, and I survived three eliminations and made it all the way to week 12 uh, when I was finally eliminated my fourth elimination. And so that, that's really where I thrive. So I would keep most of my distance training going on. One, because my long-term life in the sport is still OCR. It's not this particular TV show and it helped me on elimination days, but I would definitely do a lot more agility training, maybe some track work with really short things like 200 meter repeats and stuff like that. Um, and, and really focus in on that speed and agility aspect because I was pretty good at the throwing overall. I just usually came in a few seconds behind these guys because they were more of a you know, sprinter type athletes. Gotcha. In the past, have they done any all-star episodes or have they brought people back or has it been different people every season? Yeah. So the first three seasons, it's all been different people. This fourth season coming up on the 20th, it airs. Um, They're adding four people from, or two from season one and two from season two are coming back. And I'm pretty sure eventually there will be some form of all-star episode. Um, They've also done in the past where they would bring back, like last year they did um season one came back to compete against season two just for like a day um or the the show is actually also produced in other countries and sometimes they'll have like except on mexico versus except on colombia and usa and you know they'll put romania and turkey it's actually a, a turkish production company that then sold the kind of format to except to to be able or sorry to telemundo to be able to uh, put on air uh, and they, you know, sell it to TV Azteca in Mexico, et cetera. So there's other opportunities like that too. Where I might be able to come back for like a, a special yeah. episode, kind of like Ninja Warriors has um, like the charity episodes or different, you know, kind of twists on, on the show. Nice. Sounds like a good opportunity. And hopefully that comes down the pipe in the future. Now, for those of us that missed the show, is there any way we can, catch it someplace in either reruns or maybe on one of the streaming services or or someplace yep. in English also. Cause <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't think there's a, a English place, but all of the episodes are up on YouTube. It's usually a condensed like 20 some minute version, uh, which is uh, what most of you, especially if you're not a Spanish speaker will want to look at. And then there's, uh, I think, a link in the YouTube video to Telemundo website if you want to watch that full episode. So there's definitely ways to watch the entire season or just watch different aspects of it. Um, the eliminations are always cool to watch, too. They usually show the whole elimination. Uh, just take out some of the interviews and stuff to, to make it shorter for YouTube. Um, but, yeah, you can definitely get back and look at it. And then if 
if you do speak Spanish or you're just interested in, in seeing the show, even if you don't speak Spanish, uh, it airs again on the, on the 20th for season four. One of the funniest things is I did have a good amount of friends that don't speak Spanish that kind of got excited about it. And I had one particular friend who was like, man, for two weeks, I couldn't find out who Victoria was. And Victoria <laughs> in Spanish, yeah, yeah, I think you got it, it is victory. And so the announcer would say, the victory goes to like this person. And my friends were just so confused. Like, who is this Victoria girl? Why, like, why do they keep announcing her? That's um, amazing. So it's funny, like some of those lost in translation things that happen or just confusion that they would sometimes have or, or things that they would know. Actually, one thing that, uh, that um, some of the... OCR athletes here or, or in English viewers in general will appreciate is that Mac Rush um, was actually on the show. He was the first ever English speaker to be on it. Um, and so that was very interesting dynamic, but some of my English speaking friends were excited when he would be on because he would speak in English, obviously. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was pretty intense. He was actually really good. He's, I mean, Mac is built for short course type stuff. Uh, towards the end, I think he, uh, kind of lost a little, a little bit on the, on the kind of stink, keeping his head in the game portion of it um, and kind of went down a little at the end, but he made it really far. So I'm assuming the other contestants knew some English, right? Because, I mean, otherwise, how was Mac talking to anyone? Yeah, so that was a big challenge for him. His team had several people that didn't speak English at all, um, but there were several that did and they would kind of help translate. And whenever we were in like the ceremony or any other aspects outside of the actual game itself, he had kind of like an earpiece where they, someone would be translating for him. Um, but that made the dynamic very difficult for him. And I think that's why he maybe kind of uh, got his head out of the game more towards the end is because he didn't have that same support system that the rest of us did, right? Um, and that ability, imagine you're already not able to talk to your family and your friends and you can't even talk to everyone on your team. Uh, and I didn't see the same support from his team to him. I think that he deserved, because he did a lot for that team, um, that he may have had on our team. We were actually on opposite teams. Um, and so um, my team actually had more people that were bilingual. Uh, and so we tried to, you know, and at the beginning of the competition, they didn't really let us talk a lot to the other teams because they wanted to keep that competitive edge and that like intensity. Uh, but towards the end, we became really close with both sides, and you know, we tried to keep Mac happy. But um, side note, I don't know if you noticed, but he also just got engaged. No, did he really? The, yeah, he just got engaged to one of the announcer ladies from the show. That's amazing. <laughs> Mac went on the show where he didn't speak any. You know, he's the only one that speaks English. And he ends up uh, leaving engaged. And so congrats to Mac and, and said her name is Jessica. Um, That's so that hysterical. Was pretty awesome for him. Yeah. I, you know, he probably, when, he, when we first talked about it, he's like, man, I've, I don't really know what I'm getting myself into, but it seems really cool. I love this short course type stuff. And ended up, yeah, you know, having his life change in general. So I'm happy for Mac. That's really funny. That's awesome. And before you went on the show, you told me that if, if you don't speak Spanish, you you still understand what's going on. And you know, I, I haven't watched the full episodes that are available, but I know from like the YouTube clips and from the stuff that was posted on your social media. I mean, even without speaking any Spanish, I can you can tell what's going on, right? I mean, there's there's a competition, yeah. there's, there's a race. One guy's screaming <laughs> at the end, the other one's like crying, right? Like it's pretty obvious. So uh, if you exactly. don't speak Spanish, you can still go check it out. 
and they're, they're yeah, worth watching. Yeah, you might not be able to get the whole dynamic of, you know, when people are talking and being interviewed and stuff and all that. But in terms of the actual competition, in terms of, like, the exciting portions, you'll get that. You might be a little confused about what we're competing for at the beginning. Um, but after you watch a couple episodes, you'll start to see the dynamic of, okay, they're usually competing for some kind of uh, benefit or for the mansion and the cabin or for elimination. And, and you kind of get the, the gist of it. All right. Now let's get into, you know, that, that basically took up the second half of your OCR season. So now yeah. that we've, we're officially in 2020, it was a January 2nd. What do you have planned or what are your goals for 2020 OCR wise? Yeah, I'm super pumped for the season. I mean, it was tough last year. I, I ended up, I think, with only one podium after, I think, a year of, like, 15 podiums. <laughs> um, uh, I had a good Which, which is why I'm average. catching up to you. Thinking, exactly. I saw that you off. passed me. <laughs> Did I really? <laughs> <laughs> I think so, right? I'm at 51. Okay, I'm at 53. Yeah, like 52 yeah. 53, oh, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I got to catch up. Um, but, uh, so I only had that one at Savage, which was a good race and, and, and I had a pretty good season overall. I had a couple of fourth and fifth places with some pretty stacked Savage, um, races. Cause really all I'd raced last year was one in Puerto Rico, bunch of Savage races, and then one conquer the gauntlet, which was also um, a ridiculous then, field. That was like an insane. Yeah. Field. What was that? Yuri, um, Yuri, Victor Benny Gifford, Victor Quesada, uh, Ashton. you were there, Ashton, like you're, yeah, you're yeah you're usually first or second almost always and you were like <laughs> seventh it was like what and yeah. doug's doug's always in the top 10 and he was like 20th or something it's something insane yeah that was intense which is good to see though too though because a lot of the more big names coming out to conquer the gauntlet um usually i would be able to get to the you know the the meat of the obstacles and i'd be fine even if there was a person ahead of me uh this time there was some heavy hitters ahead of me both running and obstacle wise so that was pretty intense. But um, so basically, you know, I, I raced that last Conquer the Continent in June. And then I went into the casting process. And I didn't really want to race in July because I didn't want to risk anything right before the show. I had a, a couple of knee injuries, uh, minor things that were bothering me. So I really wanted to make sure that I was ready for the show so I could give, give it 100%. Um, and so from... Conquering all at Dallas, which was what, beginning of June, all the way through the end of the year, I wasn't able to race. And I came back, I think, the day before the last, or the day of the last Savage Race of the Year. So I wasn't able to make that one in Florida. Um, but the show was 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 awesome opportunity um, overall, and, and I think it's helped me uh, in a lot of ways with, with discipline, because it's six days a week of training and my job was literally to be an athlete so um i the challenge there was i didn't have any any obstacles to train on that were really grip intensive or, or challenging from that sense um and they would not really let us go very far so i barely got to run much but i've seen in just the, the last month and a half since i got off the show that my discipline is there much stronger and my miles um you know, my running has been much more consistent. My training and making sure I'm getting things in every day has been much more consistent. So that's really, really helped me along with the agility and, and speed and strength that I gained from that style of competition that I think will help me with short races like the Blitzes or the 3K at, at World Championship. Um, but I'm really excited. My first race will probably be uh, in Puerto Rico next month. Um, there's a 5K race uh, up in the mountains that'll be pretty intense and good training for something like uh, – the 3k at worlds 
Um, I might have a, a ninja competition or two before then this month, depending on what my work travels like. Uh, then I'll get into the meat of the Savage Race season. Definitely want to follow the Savage Race circuit again. It's one of my favorite series. Um, and I've had a pretty good success there against a strong competition. And then um, super pumped for, for CTG, um, new venue this year. Uh, I'm not sure which ones exactly I'm going to yet. Yeah, but, Kansas um, City. I'm yeah, excited. exactly. I'm excited for Kansas City. Hopefully, I can make that one. There's gonna be and like I, know, I think there's gonna be like a dozen people sleeping in my house. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> nice. Add one more, please. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, so I I know uh, what's the one right before Little Rock? Do you remember what's the second last one? I haven't I haven't looked at the schedule at all. I don't okay. know. Well, my birthday is I think the day before Tulsa, so maybe I'll make a OCR birthday celebration out of it, or or maybe I'll do something totally different. But <laughs> either way, I'll do one of those two because they're both in September. I know Little Rock is the last one. I think at the end of September. So super pumped for for CTG again. Um, not doing Ninja Warrior this year. I wasn't able to. I didn't have enough time to apply because I, they they moved the application date back, and I had just gotten back from the show. Um, but I might go and try to course test depending on what the, um, cities are that they choose this year for, for the events. Uh, and also depending on what the walk on situation is like, I might take a stab at that, but I'll really use this year to focus in on, um, training for Ninja Warrior season 13, which would be in 2021. And then, um, really building out a good video and story, uh, cause I've applied several times and not been picked. I've, uh, Which I can't believe they need I to watch, know, they need to watch your video closer, man. They need to watch your video closer. You got a good story. Yeah, it's tough. I've had a couple of good ones. I, I know I've made some mistakes. Like my first couple of videos were terrible. Uh, you know, I didn't, I remember some of the first ones I didn't really tell enough story and um, really focus on athletics. And now there's enough people that are strong enough to do a few obstacles that they don't, you know, they care more about the stories now, but the last two seasons, I think I had a really good stories and good videos and, um, I don't know, just a lot of people applying, a lot of really good, great athletes out there and great stories. So I'm just going to keep training, keep pushing, and, and hopefully I'll, I'll get on that uh, soon. Yeah. You know, they probably watch like 20 seconds of the video, and then if it's not keeping their attention, they just throw it in the done pile, right? Because, like, I mean, they're just going through, you know, thousands of videos. So Yeah, it's insane. They, they um, wa- watch them all, and I believe them because I know there's a big team of people that do it, so it's not – you know, not all of them gets the actual producers, but someone watches at least a few seconds of every video. Um, and uh, two years ago, I got kind of like a, not a callback, but like an intermediate call where they just like asked some more details. And so I know that one at least got viewed and I made it through some of the, you know, gatekeepers, um, but it didn't make the final cut for, you know, what the producers wanted, I guess. And then last year, I think my video was way better actually um but i don't know maybe the maybe the first couple seconds didn't cut it and and it got uh got scrapped the other thing i've heard is that earlier you apply the more likely they are to take a look at it and give you advice Mm. uh last year although my video was really good it came in kind of at the last minute so there's less time for them to really take the time to get to know me right and that's one of the things I, i struggled with with this show is that I did, I, fortunately the producer did understand, um, like the value of what I do in the community and stuff. Um, but it, I, I don't think they knew the right ways to translate that to TV all the time. Um, and so I, in, in the end, I think it worked out, but it was, it is a challenging 
kind of thing to these two passions that I have for, you know, like science, technology, engineering, math, and then um, sports. Uh, there is a lot of connections, but they're not always very obvious. And if you want to hear more about the STEM stuff, we had Jay on an episode. I can't even remember what it was last year, year before. I don't know. You can go back to the Strength and Speed archives and find the Jay <laughs> Flores episode and listen to that. We talk a lot about his work with uh, science, technology, engineering, math, his STEM, STEM work there and inspiring the next generation and kids and all the other great stuff he does. So you can go back and give that a listen. Now, I, I know you mentioned you've been more consistent with your training, more running, and you got a lot of big plans coming up for 2020. I also know that you just got a new toy in the mail um, in the yeah. last couple of days. Uh, so let's talk about that a little bit because, um, you know, I own, I own a similar one and it's phenomenal. So, yeah. Yeah, I just got the box. Um, I'm super pumped. I haven't been able to try it yet because I just got the box. But the, the Rapid Reboot is something that I'm super excited for. Um, just the, the ability to be able to recover, um, you know, more, more effectively and more efficiently, uh, with, with their technology is, is something that I'm super pumped for. Um, I think it just mentally too, when you feel more recovered, you're able to go out and crush that next workout even that much better versus that, you know, those excuses that go through your head of, oh, today, you know, I'm going to take an, another rest day or, you know, maybe I'm going to cut the amount of repeats that I was going to do, whatever it is, you know, that it's nice to have something like that, uh, you know, in my toolbox to have an extra edge when it comes to recovery. Um, and I, I just can't wait to put them on. And if you don't know what we're talking about, Rapid Reboot, they're the compression boots, right? So they're like full, they mm. cover your entire legs and they compress by zones and help circulate your blood. So they're phenomenal. I'm going to be using them for my upcoming OCR America 2. And I would say the last time I did it, you know, they, there's like a noticeable change, I feel like, right? Especially when you're, <laughs> you're really abusing your body. I mean, they just feel very nice, both mentally and physically. And when I got it, would get out of them, I would feel better. Like my legs felt fresher. Um, and the, the other big thing is they're super easy to put on, right? Like you essentially slide your mm -hmm. legs into them, zip them up and plug in and press power. And then you can essentially fall asleep in them. You know, they, yeah. I'd say in under a minute you're in and the system's on and it's, it's circulating that blood and you're, you can be in a, you could be asleep. Like I said, so. Definitely. And I'm going to take a video soon and, and share that with everyone. So you can take a look at what it's like. And I know Randy, uh, one of our teammates on the Conquer the Gauntlet pro team has already started using hers and, and put up some videos. She did a 20 point, 20 mile run to kick off the year because she's insane like that. Um, and uh, she put the boots on right after and was, you know, I guess doing, doing a lot better today than she normally would have after a run of that distance. Um, and then she's a beast. She's a Boston uh, qualified runner and all kinds of intense stuff, kind of like Evan. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of also recovery, Compex just also released a uh, massage gun type thing, right? So the one looks kind of like a jigsaw where it's got like the little rubber head and it kind of very focused massage. Um, so we got a couple of those for the team. Uh, I just, I literally, sh they literally showed up today at my house. So I unpacked one and I was playing with it and it is, it's phenomenal, right? Like for really, you know, like the boots are real good for generally circulating the blood and general leg recovery. Uh, mm -hmm. The gun is super good for like spot, right? So it's very precise, yeah. right? Like I know my, 
a lot of times like my uh my glutes my ass muscle there the one that like the part that goes onto like the lower part of your back for some reason that gets super tight so i was like okay i was poking it in there and just uh you know loosen it up but it feels really good so yeah I'm my also, girlfriend yeah my now fiance again i'm still getting used to saying that <laughs> um she got me one a while back and uh i think she loves it just as much as i do <laughs> she's not into ocr or anything but um, if you're, if you're thinking of getting one, they, they're not the cheapest thing out there, but, um, if you want to help justify that with your, your spouse, uh, you can use that as that they can use it too for massage, but I like it a lot for an ninja training because it's like you said, it's very kind of point, um, with, with ninja training, your forearms are usually kind of one of those groups that you're using a ton. Um, and can get really sore really fast if, if any of you do any ninja training or, or have gone to an obstacle type gym uh, your forearms are usually gone pretty quickly and, and I've loved that especially in competition if there's multiple stages using it in between is, is really helpful um, and uh, for running as well I obviously use it too but ninja is where I've really used it the most yeah and the complex one uh, you can go to complexusa.com and check out their website but it is lower priced than pretty much every, I think it's lower priced than every other one I've seen, uh, every competitor's type product. So. Yeah, there's a few out there that are, are pretty expensive, so it's good yeah. to see that. Yeah, so check them out. Uh, speaking of recovery, um, I'm going to share a little bit about OCR America too. Um, so like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I said I would never do another one again and uh, <laughs> fast forward a couple of years and I started running out of uh, charity fundraiser ideas. So here I am again. I figured I would do it in the winter because if there's one way to make it harder, it's to make the conditions worse. And uh, being cold all the time is one way to make it worse. And then I've added a day. So instead of seven days, it's eight days. So I'm going to be starting uh, Sunday the 19th, January 19th at Obstacle Athletics in Deer Park, Long Island. So kind of pretty close to my parents' house. So if you're in the Long Island area, definitely come out to that. And for that one, because it's a gym, um, one, I couldn't find permanent, enough permanent obstacle of course venues that would let me use their place in the winter because a lot of them close up shop. So I'm using several gyms and for the gyms, kind of like what I did for OCR mill, I'm going to do a one mile run, come back in and do four obstacles or use a treadmill for one mile, do four obstacles and repeat until I hit about a marathon length. So day one is Deer Park, Long Island, Kevin LaPlatney, Mudman LaPlatney's gym, uh, obstacle athletics. Day two is Otherworld OCR or it's now called Otherworld Fitness in Frederick, Maryland, uh, Tim Guinan's gym. One of my favorite, I think it, it, well, it is my favorite OCR gym in the country that I've been to. It's just got a little bit of everything. It's got treadmills, it's got a weight room, it's got obstacles, it's got an indoor hill, it's got a full length platinum rig. Um, so that is an awesome one to check out. So Frederick, Maryland's day two on the 20th. Day three and four are going to be at Noob Sanity up in Binghamton, New York. So day three is Extreme Ravine, so a little more of their terrain, natural obstacle type course. Day four, Mud Gauntlet, that's their actual obstacle course, uh, which we have had just had Jared on the podcast a couple episodes ago talking about all the improvements they've made. So I'm super excited to check that out. Also got a great community, the Seeing Red uh, Noob Sanity crew up there. Day, what are we on? One, two three, four, day five, we're going to movement lab, Ohio. Oh, I'm sorry. No day five. We're going to Erie, Erie's OCR battleground. So Erie, Pennsylvania, a small training facility over there uh, that I've actually never been to. So I'm excited. That'll be a blind day. I'm excited to see what they, what they have in store for me. 
Day six is Movement Lab Ohio. So Michelle Warnke's gym in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, one of the best ninja warriors ever. So got a lot of good obstacles in there. We just shot a mud run guide live video at the end of December in her gym. Day seven, I was running out of places to go to that would let me go. So luckily one of the strength and speed guys, William Shell, uh, has a bunch of obstacles that he built in his, essentially his parents' backyard. So he's got a, he's actually got a dragon's back in there. He's got a rig. He's got uh, monkey bars and then all the movable stuff, right? So tire flips, bucket carries, sandbags, spear throw, you know, low crawls, anything that's kind of like a wall, kind of suit, pretty easy uh, build type obstacles he's got back there too. So we're going to be – that one's like a private training day. We're going to be multi-lapping that. And then day eight is the finale, Casey Timber Challenge, Yeti course. It's a 5K OCR, not timed. Uh, but it is a lot of fun. And the final obstacle, you get to smash a car, which is a lot of fun. So you can run 5K and then break a piece of a car and continue multi-lapping for that. So head over to Strength and Speed. The sign-up links are on there. So 40 bucks, you get a belt buckle, four and a half, four inch by two and a half inch belt buckle for OCR America. And you get a t-shirt um, with all the logos on there and all the sponsors that are supporting it. And then Let's see what else. Um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be miserable. The looking forward to it. You know, normally there's a long buildup and training period, and I'm kind of relying on my uh, last couple years of fitness to power through this, which is a bold move. So that's a little bit concerning. The other bit concerning part is the weather, right? I can't control what the weather's doing. So there's a good possibility a snowstorm rolls through, and either one severely affects the amount of mileage I can get, or two has us cut out of the day completely because we physically can't drive in the snow if it, if it gets really bad. So I'm going to kind of curious to see how this plays out. It's going to be a great time. I got Jacob stone from strength and speed team coming with me as my driver. I got my dad as my pit crew keeping me uh, fueled. And then uh, just announced today, I'm going to have Bobby Ross from Stoke shed. Uh, one of the sponsors of the Conquer the Gauntlet pro team with me producing some video content. And then on top of that, uh, Mike Stefano from Obstacle Running Adventures is coming with us, and he'll, we're going to be producing essentially nightly episodes on the Strength and Speed podcast, covering, you know, it'll be like five to 15 minutes, kind of giving you a day's recap of the events, in addition to all the social media stuff, Instagram stories. So, you know, just keep following Strength and Speed, uh, check things out, donate to Folds of Honor if you can't make it. On the registration link, you can either donate to Folds of Honor there, you can sign up for the event there. Or you can also donate to backside support, right? So the 100% of race registrations are going to Folds of Honor. Um, the money for the belt buckles and the shirts and the gas and the hotels and the car rental and all that stuff, right? I'm, I'm trying to raise that separately and use the sale of like my books and stuff like that to help uh, fundraise for that. So yeah, if you want to just throw a couple bucks our way, the crew would appreciate that. Um, so we can have some more coffee on the road and stay awake between drives. But yeah, it's going to be a pretty epic adventure. What else you got, That's Jay? That's insane, man. I love it. I, <laughs> I'm just like, you're not human. Um, <laughs> it's insane in that sense. But I also just love what it stands for. And, and you know, the, the fact that you're doing it to raise money for Folds of Honor, uh, being such an awesome organization and, and, and what they do for families is, is amazing. So um, just the fact that you're willing to put yourself through that <laughs> is uh my you know take my hat off to you man and I, I really hope people will go out and support uh in one way or another 
Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And sp- speaking of that, I actually had my, my first donation was almost the day I opened the event, or it might have been actually been before I opened the event. Um, so I baptized my son uh, last weekend at church, and we went to tip the sexton, essentially the caretaker of the church, kind of assistant that works there. And he had read my book, Ultra OCR Man, and was like, he's like, you know what? I he's like, you just like, just take the money back, just donate it to Folds of Honor, uh, which was really cool to see because, you know, no connection to the OCR community, um, mm-hmm. doesn't actually know me. I think I'd, I'd like met him in passing at one point, uh, but okay. I guess he bought the book for my dad and read it and uh, thought it was, just thought it was really inspiring. And that was really cool, like personally for me, just to have someone that's kind of disconnected from me, um, you know, you know, take his own, what was, what was rightfully his money and just kind of push it back at me, uh, which is super right. nice. That's amazing. That's really cool to hear. And I hope there'll be uh, more and more stories like that, or just in general, even if people in the community are um, familiar with, with what you've been doing, um, but haven't really understood why. And now, <laughs> you know, now they really know that some of the, I think the passion behind it, because I've seen you at some of these events and how you just get destroyed. And I'm like, how does this guy keep going? And I, I'm assuming it's your passion for these organizations and your passion for giving back in that space, which keeps you going when your body says no and your mind says no and <laughs> you're on lap 1000. <laughs> I can't yeah. imagine it. Um, but again, uh, hopefully, I really hope people will support. And, and even if you're not, kind of ready to donate to it just picking up a book or a black minute is something that you'll get a value that will also kind of help the cause in general i'm excited for my black mitts and, and my book so hopefully uh <laughs> if you guys aren't ready to donate just straight up just definitely get out uh some value from the books or the black mitts yeah and, and or you're right like if let's say all right you don't have the budget to donate or buy anything this month you know just share the event someplace and mm-hmm. mention mention that you're going to donate or something like that is it, it kind of helps get momentum going gets the ball rolling um you know that you know even a share is much appreciated uh both for me personally from folds of honor and then from uh sponsors that are helping support the event so every little bit helps there even with my my ocr career and with you know a lot of these charity events i really nickel and dime my way to success right like i (laughs) i really rely on a lot of like very small donations that add up over time and a lot of the generosity like all those venues i named are being very generous with me and letting me use their facilities you know so um huge shout out to them and there are some facilities that i didn't use because they were not being generous right like Mm -hmm. um, so you know the the facilities i'm using please support those facilities especially if you live in the area or if you're going to be passing through any of those areas um Definitely. And I'll second that. I haven't been to all of them, but I definitely have been to uh, MLab a couple of times. Uh, Michelle Warnke's gym and it's been amazing every time. I got to train with her dad once and it was the blast. He's great. Um, And that rig, that platinum rig is actually a battle frog rig, right? Yeah. The other world OCR is the, one of the original battle frog rigs, right? So the, I think there was two total. One is owned by adventure OCR world championships and the Mm -hmm. other one, or no, there's like, I think maybe there's three or four. I don't know. Cause you can, you can reconfigure it. Right. So exactly one, one, one has a, or two, I think adventure owns the OCR world championship. Uh, other world OCR has one. And then the, um, I think Heidi, right. Had the fourth. One. Yeah. Heidi Williams in Florida has yeah. a section. I think they went off by sections. I don't, okay. I don't know how many it was overall, but I know they had like, sometimes they had an 80 foot rig at some of their events. And so I think world, uh, adventure has the majority of what's left of it. 
Yes, um, yeah. But yeah, if you want, if you miss Battle Frog like a lot of us do, um, you can go check out that rig. And again, uh, Michelle's uh, gym is amazing. I haven't been to the other venues, but I've heard really good things too. Yeah, good stuff. All right, before we go, any final shout outs you want to give or um, you want to share something people may not know about you? Should we do that one? <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. Um, and normally I was, you know, I thought about this actually because I was going to say from like from now on, like I got married on TV or something like that. <laughs> um, but uh, it's not married. I got engaged on TV. But one thing uh, that's kind of cool that I don't think a lot of the viewers might or listeners might know is that um, my fiance's dad got married again and we went to Cuba for his wedding and it was uh, underwater. So we had to get scuba certified to attend the wedding. And we went to Cuba for a week. We spent a few days getting certified and my first like normal dive uh, was the wedding, which was pretty awesome. It was pretty cool. So a couple of scuba stories. Um, one, uh, I did fail military dive school. So if you want to read that story, okay. it's in my book. Uh, I went to complete unconsciousness twice during training. So not a huge fan of diving, not a huge <laughs> fan of breath holding, but um, yeah. that story's in there. But I did take, speaking of kind of marriage and uh, diving, I did take my, she was my girlfriend at the time, uh, scuba diving once, but it was in, it was in an aquarium and it was with sharks, right? So they, they put okay. you in one of the shark cages and they drop you into the, like the big shark tank at the aquarium and you got the scuba mask on and the, the sharks are swimming right by you. And it was pretty cool. And if you know anything about sharks, right, they have like, uh, if you look at their faces really closely, they have these little like dots on their face and that's actually for feeling electrical impulses, right? So when your heart beats, okay. they can feel it on their face, um, which is kind of cool. Cause I remember like sitting in the cage and like, you know, like I've, I've got like my face pressed up against the, like as close to the cage <laughs> as possible. So I get close to the shark, but, uh, and thinking like they can feel my heartbeat, which is kind of cool. Also my wife hated scuba diving. So, um, <laughs> she does, she was not a fan. Uh, didn't like the feeling like it's, if you've never been, it's a weird feeling of being underwater, but you can breathe air. Right. Cause you're yeah. biologically with the, like the mammalian dive reflex and like the water on your face, it's telling you, you can't breathe, but you have this thing in your mouth that's allowing you to breathe. So. Um, a lot of people actually have trouble with it. It kind of freaks them out um, until you get used to it. But yeah, I don't mind scuba. Uh, I don't yeah, mind scuba diving. A while to get to get yeah. used to it, but um, I loved it. The funny thing for us though is so, and maybe not so funny, but it ended up being funny is that at the end of the wedding we did like everyone use their their spare regulator, the one that you have in case if you're, the one that you're breathing out of breaks. There's always a second one. Um, and we used it to release air from our tanks to create like a bubble arc as they oh, were nice. leaving. So we're on both sides of kind of like the aisle underwater, right? Um, in that process, my regulator jams. And so it's just releasing all this air <laughs> and it's not stopping. <laughs> and I'm like sitting here like trying to figure this out. Unfortunately, with a lot of experienced divers. Um, and eventually the guy had to like take it apart. And I don't know what exactly he did, but he helped me fix it. Um, and then, so we start, you know, we finished that. And then, um, I decided I'm like, I probably lost a lot of air. I should probably check my tank. <laughs> I was pretty close to empty. And normally what you do in that situation is you have your, your scuba buddy, right. That you can breathe out of their, uh, backup regulator. 
but my fiance had decided to go off and get ready for the picture that they were taking underwater and she wasn't nowhere near me. <laughs> so I'm sitting here by myself with a bunch of run out of air. I mean, we were only under like 15 uh, feet of water, so I would have been fine. But it's, uh, it's funny, but a lot of those things that I learned in the training was, you know, not to panic in those situations and, yeah. and kind of how to respond and how to uh, get help. And so fortunately, again, I was with like 30 experienced divers and everything was fine. But my fiance almost killed me at her dad's wedding <laughs> by not being there to be my, uh, my help there. Awesome. Well, awesome story there. And <laughs> final shout out when kind of any day now, I'm just waiting for the email back from Amazon. My audiobook Ultra OCR Man should be up for sale on Audible. So you can use an Audible credit there and pick that up or you can buy it if you're not an audible member uh if you're not an audible member you should probably sign up i think that's like my especially for long slow endurance runs that's like my go-to i just listen to audiobooks same thing when i drive nice. my when i drive my car to race and i listen to a lot of audiobooks so highly recommend audible um and i highly recommend my book also obviously great so <laughs> all right i think that's it jay thanks again for coming on i'm going to go to bed because I have to cram in a little bit more training before this OCR America too. So uh, head over to strength and speed, sign up, pick up a book, uh, pick up the audio book when it comes out. Jay, any final shout outs actually before we go? Just shout out to the team, Conquer Gauntlet Pro team. Excited for another awesome season. we got a couple of new people and obviously our vets. Um, so I'm excited to see everyone pretty soon at some of these events, hopefully. All right. We'll, uh, we'll catch up to you later. Thanks again. All right. Thank you, man.